You're listening to Your Credit Today with your host, Angela Setters-Vissard, sponsored by Conquer Credit Management. Hey, 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 it's A to the N to the G. You're listening to Your Credit Today. And I have an amazing guest on my show who will be a staple coming in the future. We're going to do a lot of these podcasts because I really think that it's important for you to know the nuts and bolts of what to expect when you, A, are repairing your credit or in need of credit repair, but also just the ABCs of credit. Understanding how it works, understanding what it means to have an actual credit card, what it means to apply for a credit card, what it actually means when you look at a copy of your credit history and you see about 15 names and 15 different social security numbers, (laughs) et cetera. And what we in the walls of Conquer Credit Management deal with on a daily basis. So good morning, Sam. Good morning. How are you today? I'm excellent every day. So um, I thought that it would be cool. And just for those of you that don't know out there, Samantha is amazing. She is my protege. And what that means is, is that Samantha has been with us for nine years and she is an expert herself in the business of credit restoration, credit knowledge. Um, She has been in the trenches of working with the credit agencies, working with creditors. She forecasts all of the work to our team. So she's like on the ground floor, boots on the ground. Whenever a client comes in the door, she's strategizes and looks at their credit situation and comes up with a strategy on what we can do for that client so that we can win. And Samantha, what would you say is it that you love the most about that process? Um, I think a thing I love the most about that process would have to be how every situation is different. And Mm -hmm. I think that every day by dealing with different people in different situations and things that have occurred on their credit, I learn every day. I'm always learning new things, how things are changing. And I think that it makes every workday in a unique experience. And it Mm. kind of feels like feels like you're learning and you're getting to know people in a different world and you have access to all this information and it's just, it's exhilarating. <laughs> it's exhilarating. Well, it really is like that though. We What we say or what I've always said is that everyone's credit is like their thumbprint, right? We all have a different thumbprint. We all have created credit. Um, in a different way, had a different understanding. Some of us had no knowledge of credit. Some of us have great knowledge of credit. Um, And we've just made some mistakes and we had to come back from them. But every client that we bring on, we're very passionate and persistent about getting them results. And so today I thought that it would be really powerful for us to talk about something that we're seeing a lot happen right now. And that is that we've got this new wave or this new generation of credit users that are coming in and I'm going to call them, you know, your peeps because you're young. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, a lot of them, you know, I was on a show the other day and one of the things that they asked me was, you know, how do you teach your kids about credit? 
And I said, listen, at the end of the day, I don't think that our kids really listen to us per se um, because of social media and because of the new way that you guys learn. Wouldn't you say that a lot of the things that you guys learn are from, you know, social media and research? I would say 100% is that, you know, a lot of uh, my generation and the younger generation are depending on other sources of information like podcasts, like Instagrams and things like that. And I noticed that, you know, I do a lot of personal interaction on my Instagram with my, you know, group or my circle of people about credit. And I noticed that a lot of them refer to other sources on Instagram with credit information. And unfortunately, it's just not always the best. It's trash is what you're saying. (laughs) It's trash. We keep it real here on your credit today. Straight trash, (laughs) garbage information. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? That's one of the things that I was telling the person that I was talking to was that it's really important to be careful about the information that you follow, um, about the information that you deem to be credit worthy and that you should follow. Because, you know, again, because the younger generation is getting education and information from YouTube or, you know, any of these online sites, some of these so-called experts are not really experts. They're not seasoned. They haven't been in the trenches long enough to have what I call even failure in a system to learn from. Because until you've actually gone through that and gone through the process, you're not really a foregone expert. You know, just because you have been doing something for a year or two doesn't mean that you know the ins, outs, the big and the bad. So, you know, what I wanted to kind of focus on today was something, like I said, that a lot of our clients are coming to us and scratching their head and not really understanding what's going on. And what I'm talking about is applying for credit cards and what kind of credit cards are out there and maybe why they've gotten turned down because A, they didn't listen to us in the beginning, but B, some other reasons as to why they may have been turned down. So what are some of the things that you see when you're looking at a client, you're getting ready to give them an update and you know express to them the importance of them having a credit card? Well, I'm always looking for what they have on their credit and different accounts that they have, or, you know, some of our clients just have no credit cards at all. And a lot of times, I wouldn't say it's a lot of times, but a majority of the time, it is going to be our clients who aren't necessarily um, from here, from, you know, familiar with the American credit system and all of that. And so a lot of them don't realize the importance of credit cards. And I would have to say, a lot of your generation also doesn't um, necessarily, I would say, use the word believe in credit cards, believe in if you, it's, you guys are a cash people, you know, if you have cash, cash, everything, cash makes you wealthy, cash means you have status and stuff like that. And so they think that credit cards are for poor people, people who not I wouldn't say poor people, middle class, you know, people who need a little help to get by um, or to make ends meet or to afford vacations, things like that. That's how they see credit. They see credit. And that's really good. That's important what you're saying, because what you're saying and what we teach against is that credit is extra income or a means to an end. And that's not what we're trying to teach them. So go on. 
Exactly. Yes. And the biggest thing is that credit is a tool towards your financial freedom. And I remember you, that being one of the biggest things I learned when I first started CCMI and, you know, um, just coming from a completely different demographic, a small town in West Virginia, I didn't really know anything about credit or what the word financial freedom meant. And at this point, you know, watching so many of our clients who have millions of dollars of cash, they could buy anything outright. They're, you know, they're just very successful, very successful people, but they're still struggling with low credit scores. And, you know, I spoke to a client before this, before we, you know, recording this, and he has four rental homes in different cities all over the state, and he has million dollar houses, and he just, you know, very cash fluid. But what happened is, is that he didn't take the time to build his credit cards. So he has all of these, different um, different loans and things like that that are helping him. But one of the things that happened when COVID hit is that they required that you have two revolving lines of credit for loans. So now he doesn't have access to these different types of loans because he didn't get credit cards. He ah. didn't focus on building his revolving history. You said something really, really important. And I want to kind of break down what you just said. So here we have a client that you said is investment rich. Okay. Mm -hmm. He has hard assets. He has property and he's done very well from a cash perspective, cash flow perspective. But there's a difference between having really good cash flow and having leverage. And right now in this economy, with money being so ultra inexpensive, having good credit could not be more important. And what he's doing is unfortunately, like to your uh, account and your conversation, is he's learning how important it is. Because now that he has these properties and he wants to refinance and take advantage of the different lending products that are out there right now, he's not able to do so because he didn't take the American system that we have very seriously in, in building credit. Mm -hmm. And he was in one of the reasons you're talking is because he was denied a credit card because he applied for a travel rewards card, the the MasterCard Elite card. I'm not very familiar with it, but I think that you are. Um, and he was upset that he got turned down despite, you know, having above average credit, you know, good credit, standard credit. And he couldn't understand why he was turned down despite him having so much money and having so many mortgages and cars and things like that. He couldn't understand why he wasn't able to get a credit card. And I had to explain to him that it's because he's missing, you know, essentially 30 to 45% of his score because, you know, length of credit history is 15% of your score. But if you don't have credit cards, you don't really have that that portion right. of your score working for you. Well, and at the end of the day, what we know about credit is that when a lender or a financial institution whom is using a mathematical equation, it's a digital system, is looking at your credit history unfortunately, they're not seeing your stated income. So they don't know these bots um, that are using you know, technology don't know that this guy is a millionaire. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, is that they are looking for particular factors on a credit history. And to your point, one of the things that they're looking for is they're looking for some history. They're looking for length of history, relationships that this guy has had with a bank for a certain period of time. They're looking for payment patterns. They're looking to see, you know, how he uses his cash flow when it represents to a particular line of credit 
or a credit card with a bank. And when you are missing those, I'll call them credit assets, then unfortunately you will be turned down because the system is not looking at you as a whole. And I do think that it sucks. You know, at the end of the day, when you um, are paying your taxes, um, you, you're doing well financially, there should be more to the system that really looks outside of just your credit history. It should really look at everything. But unfortunately, friends and folks out there, credit is credit. And when we know enough to be dangerous, we can beat the system. So Samantha, continue about, you know, your conversation with this guy. Well, uh, pretty much I, uh, you know, had to go in to explain to him that rewards cards usually require um, for you to have an existing revolving history. So I know I always tell you the story about whenever I first got credit cards at Conquer Credit and I got two credit cards and then I had them for about six months. And then I was in an airport because I fly back east often and I was in the Southwest branch. And this guy was like, oh, apply for a Southwest credit card. And I was like, yes, perfect. I've had credit for six months. It's a perfect time for me to get um, unsecured card. I'm going to get this Southwest card. Well, I was denied. And my little heart was broken. But when I got the denial, <laughs> little heart. It, was, it was. I was just so upset. And when I couldn't understand why, because at this point, I had good credit. I didn't have any bad credit. I had two credit cards. And so when I got the letter, it stated that, you know, the Southwest credit card requires that you have five years of positive history with your other credit card lenders. So it wasn't mm. about me having bad credit or a low credit score. It was just because I didn't have the history. So I waited seven years and then I applied for the card again. And then now I have my credit card that I wanted because when you do travel and you are, you know, moving around a lot, there's so many different benefits to having these rewards cards. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, I went to New Orleans for $11 for Mardi Gras because I had <laughs> the rewards. So, awesome. so yeah, yeah, so it, it pays, but you have to, you have to, like you said, play the system and you have to start with your not so great cards and really put in the time to get those rewards cards. And then once you have them, you have them and you don't have to worry about so much. So using the little ones. Yeah. And you know, when we think about it at the end of the day, let's just, let's just take, if you were lending money to someone, okay. And you had the choice to lend to someone who has no history with someone else that they've borrowed money from, or looking at someone who's had history with paying someone back and they've done it successfully, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, who are you going to choose? I'm going to choose the lower risk and that's someone who has a proven history. Absolutely. So, you know, the credit is no different than that. Now saying that, do you happen to know, um, just to your point about the whole rewards card, the, um, the flying rewards cards, a lot of the online applications will actually have um, their qualifications. So, you know, if you read the small print and you go online and you see how to qualify for this particular card, specifically rewards cards, they will tell you um, mm -hmm. there's a limit, a limit of time that you have to have credit. Like for instance, um, you know, people call me all the time and they say, Angela, can you get me the American Express black card? And I'm mm -hmm. like, no, bro. Okay. <laughs> Because first of all, I can't get you that card because it's an invitation. Mm -hmm. And the reason that it's an invitation is, is that American Express closely monitors their clients. 
and how they use their system. And then if they feel that you could be a candidate for their black card system, they're going to send you an invitation. And it's never been with someone who's had a credit card with them for one or two years. Typically, these people have had a credit card with American Express for at least three to five years, and they've used the credit card with a specific spending limit. So a lot of these other credit cards, when you go online and you're looking at, you know, the different companies out there, the the digital websites like NerdWallet or, you know, Credit Karma or any of these Bankrate.com, you know, any of these um, websites that you look at out there, they'll break down for you what the qualifications are. Now, Mm -hmm. not all credit cards are looking for you to have an extensive credit history. Some you don't have to have much history at all, but the difference is going to to be the interest rate and also maybe fees because you and I were talking the other day, I think it was even yesterday, when you were telling me that one of these credit cards, we're not going to mention their name, but they charge a fee on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. There's actually three credit cards that are your lower tier cards. So your your tier one cards, Um, I think it's, is it tier one or tier two, the lower cards? Yeah, I would say definitely it's tier two. Yeah. So they there's a few um, creditors out there right now that charge you a monthly fee of about $8, 8 to $12, I've heard, um, if you don't use the card. Um, so like, let's say that you don't charge anything new. Now, this is charge anything new. If you have a revolving balance, it still doesn't account as using the card. So they want you to use the card monthly or they're going to charge you $8 a month. And you oh, have to pay you it. Say that again, though, because see, that's the thing that I don't think people understand is when we talk about utilization. And unfortunately, these particular companies are charging if you don't utilize. But why is it important to hit that button of utilization? Well, utilization is 30% of your score. It's all of your good history. It's all of, you know, showing that you can still charge and make payments and charge and make payments that you know how to, you're not depending on your credit. You're not Mm. depending on that credit card. It is a, it's a, it's a solution to a problem when you forget your debit card, when you're out doing something or anything like that, it isn't a dependent. Like it's not, like you said, extra income. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So utilization factor from a credit card standpoint of view, what these banks and financial institutions are looking to have done is at the end of the day, like you said, Samantha, it's all about risk. And what people don't understand is they're like, hey, you know, I've got this access to $10,000 worth of credit, but I'm just going to put it in my safe and I'm not going to use it until a rainy day. And Mr. Bank says, uh-uh, no, 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 no. We're not going to have that risk hanging out in the wind anymore. A couple of years ago, they said, we are going to put a new impression on utilization factor and make sure that our clients, our credit card holders are actually using their credit card because otherwise we're not making money and our risk is out there and the risk is too big. And the reason for that is, is that in these times, like right now, you know, we were, uh, I was just on a show and we were talking about job loss and, you know, the huge amount of people that are out of work and just everything that's happening in the pandemic situation. And 
unfortunately, people that had these credit cards in their wallet or in a safe or something like that, they're pulling them out now because they have to live off of them. And mm-hmm. so unfortunately, banks and financial institutions are hip to that. And what do you see happen, Samantha? What do we get calls about with respect to that? Oh, man, they are closing accounts left and right. They are closing them. They're decreasing limits um, yes. significantly. I think some of our clients have gone from $10,000 limits to $500 or 1000 And these people don't even have bad credit. No. Um, just their utilization has spiked. And I know that it's a risk. Um I was speaking to one of my banks and we were just talking in general. I get into a lot of general conversations with bank managers when I go there, when they find out what I do. And we were talking and he said that one of their factors is, is they look how fast you accrue debt. So if you, you know, went from having no debt at all, so no credit card utilization to in 60 days having, you know, $10,000 worth of balances out of nowhere, it, actually flags in their system as a risk. And then you become on their radar and they watch to see over the next 30 days or so what your utilization is. And as your utilization increases, but maybe because you are unemployed, you're only able to make the minimum payment or you take the deferment option, they're actually starting to close those accounts Mm. or freeze them so that they're not closed, but you can't use them anymore. You can only pay on them. And they're doing things like this at a time where people need assistance the most, but because you we didn't use those good credit behaviors of charging a little bit, maybe putting your cell phone bill and bills you may always have on your cards and then just paying those cards off months to keep your realization, you went from not using them from six months to charging thousands of dollars on them. And you think, well, this is what they're here for. They're here for emergencies. But now yeah. you just flagged yourself as a huge risk. Right. And this is why we teach our clients about the care of their credit and making sure that they're utilizing their credit cards and, you know, um, paying interest to the bank at least once or twice a year. A lot of people don't believe in that. They believe in use your credit card and pay it off at the end of the month. And yes, you know, absolutely. That's a best practice as far as cash flow is concerned and making sure that you don't get into debt. But there's seven there's seven different types of utilization factor when it comes to looking at your credit score. And so we're just kind of focusing right now on one of them. But that's really a, a, an interesting topic that you bring up, Samantha, about one of the seven utilization factors. And that is their awareness of your spiking in debt. And so what happens is with technology and with digitization, with banks, they're able to see that and it flags their system. And unfortunately, with every bank and financial institution, there is a high risk department and those high risk departments are notified. And so what is it that they do? They go and they pull a soft pull of your credit history. They look at what's going on and then they make a determination on if I should close this credit card and or if I should cut the balance. And American Express does something a little bit different. What they'll do is if they see a spike in debt, they're going to actually contact you and ask you to send them a cash flow statement, a profit and loss, or a copy of your tax returns because they want to solidify that you're still making the same money that you made or more when you applied for the credit card so that they're not putting themselves in harm's way. 
So that's a really, really good point. Now, the other reason that people get turned down for a credit card is, um, you know, carrying too much debt. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about a client, um, so to speak, that, you know, in in no uncertain terms, make, you know, basically has two small credit cards and they're using them to the max every single month. What would you suggest to them to do if they need another credit card and they were turned down for having too much debt? Um, well, I would recommend for them to reduce the cards that they have to about 10 to 20% of the limits. Um, a lot of times, um, clients who have 300, 400, $500 cards, they don't see it as a lot of money. So there's thinking, well, it doesn't matter that this card is at $400 because it's not a lot of money. I could turn around and pay that off. Well, what happens is, is when you have two $300 cards and you have them maxed out at $300, it makes it look like you're using all of your credit because you mm. are essentially. And even though it's not a lot of money, it's all about like you said, it's bots and computers and systems. They're not looking like, oh, well, he only has $600 of credit card debt, but he makes $150,000 a year and has no other account. It doesn't matter. It's all about the factors. It's all about the algorithm. So I would recommend that they pay those cards down to maybe around $30, between $30 and $50. Let those balances update and then even go a step further to challenge the application that you were denied on and kind of we experience all the time if you get a representative on the phone and they're able to kind of look at your situation in more detail like you said maybe supply some tax returns or payment information you're able to prove that you are able to carry a higher balance you might be able to turn overturn the application or worst case scenario apply the following month after your balances have updated to a reduced amount. Yeah, and and so Samantha, what is the one thing that you tell people all the time too? So people ask, you know, I just paid my credit card off yesterday. Why is it not showing? So when is it gonna show? Your balance updates when your statement closes. So your statement, there's a statement period. Your statement period, your statement usually closes a few days before your payment is due. Now it's not to get confused because that's not, so like, let's say, what month is it? Is anybody, is it August? August? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I know the days that fly by. It's literally <laughs> Monday and then you look it up and it's Friday. Yeah. I had no idea what month it was just now. So let's say that your payment is due August or September 5th. So that's going to be based off your last month's statement period. So in July. So your October 5th payment is going to be based off your statement period right now. So if your statement closed today, the balance reported on your credit report right this minute is what is going to report to your credit. Now, when you make a payment on September 5th, that payment will not reflect on your credit report until your statement closes again at the end of the month and at the end of September. So it's important to know your statement closing dates and what's coming up as far as what's going to be reported so that you can make sure that your balances are low. I have a lot of um, clients who decide to set a reminder for themselves two days before their statement closes to check their statement balance because we do have a lot of clients who pay their cards off maybe in full or 90% of their card every month. Um, but they what they don't realize is that they're doing that on the due date. And what mm -hmm. happens 
happens is, is that doesn't reflect because then they turn around and use the card for business or reward points, things, different things that we use our credit cards for. And they don't realize the benefit of paying off their card 90% each month. So sometimes it's just a little bit of a tweak. Um, and then also realizing that when your statement closes, let's say it closed today, it actually won't reflect on your credit report for about three to five days, regular days, not business days. And that's just because the credit bureaus, there's a time from when it's submitted and when it reflects to your credit report. And there's always going to be a little bit of a lag because you have, you know, one hand talking to the other hand and you're waiting for the information to update. So it's really important to know the dates of when things report. You can call all of your creditors if you just want to be sure. They will tell you the date that they're going to report your balance each month to the credit report and then focusing on making your payments a few days before that so that it actually posts and then updates. And you pay less interest because your interest is charged off your statement balance. Right. And so the other question that we get a lot is, well, why are not all of my credit cards or my vendors reporting my balances at the same day? (laughs) Well, that's silly. You open them all up at different times. There you go. They're reporting based on when you open them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's not just a general day, let's say, that all creditors update their information. So, you know, at one point in time, I was talking to someone and they were like, oh, well, I thought, you know, like Bank of America, I thought they updated all of their clients on this day of the month. And I said, no, it's, you know, it's really based off of when you opened the credit card and your Mm -hmm. first billing statement cycle. So when you first get your first billing, then you'll see, like you said, the closing statement date, and you can tag that in whatever type of accounting system you use to know that that's when your credit card is going to update the balance every time you use it. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, now, Samantha, what would you say um, would also be another reason why someone has been turned down with a particular credit card company? Because what I've found is that, um, let's say a client that's coming back from a bankruptcy and they unfortunately had a negative balance with a previous creditor and they were turned down for that particular credit card. Why would you say that they were turned down and what would you tell the client? Well, anytime that you, um, there are a few banks out there that one um, will turn you down just because you have a bankruptcy. Your bankruptcy could be nine years old, about to stash you off your credit report, and they will still deny you because you have the bankruptcy notation on your credit report. So that's one reason a bankruptcy uh, client could be turned down is just the simple notation. Not every bank is like that. And that's not just for credit cards. It's also for auto loans and different mortgages. Some banks just just have that one criteria Well, they will not lend with the notation on your credit report. The second thing is, is that some companies, very few, if you default with them in any respect. So let's say that you filed your bankruptcy and your auto loan was with uh, B of A, and then you went to apply for a B of A credit card five years after your bankruptcy discharge, but that card was included in your bankruptcy, they'll deny you. Some banks have a full history. Um, like if you went in to open up a bank account, 
account, they can see what accounts you've had in each department, and then they'll deny you if you've defaulted in one of those departments. Um, mm-hmm. American Express is like that. They'll blackball you if you've defaulted there. They actually have become, I don't know if you've noticed, Angela, in the last year or two, much more amenable to helping yes. people out reestablish a relationship with them. Um, you still have to jump through some hoops to be able yeah. to do it, but they have went from not at all possible to sometimes possible. But there are yeah, a few I've things. definitely seen that. And yeah. and not even just with them. I've seen it with a couple of other creditors because it's a competitive market out there. And, you know, American Express used to be one of those credit cards that was the only credit card company that was doing what they do. And now the market is competitive because a lot of these credit card companies are mirroring what their benefits are. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent because they want the, you know, the chase, one of the chase cards is just almost very similar in rewards and things to the American Express Platinum card because they want to become competitive with that high tier card that people want, that people aspire to is to have a platinum card or a black card. And these banks are, are like, okay, well, we want to be competitive. We want to have these cards that people aspire to that they talk about in movies and, and different things like that. And so in order to do that, they have to create these new products. But unfortunately, sometimes like if you have already defaulted with them in the past or include an account in bankruptcy or settled an account, it kind of limits you to have access to those different types of um, cards that they have. The good news is, is that you can just go to a different bank yeah. and get a different card. <laughs> exactly. But it's about really at the end of the day, being strategic and, you know, mm-hmm. making sure that you have a plan because it lists Listen, friends and fans out there, you know you've always heard me say this on the show is that if you don't have a plan, then you plan to fail. And the thing is, is that your credit is an investment tool and it's a leverage system. You live in the great United States of America and it's so amazing that you have an opportunity to use and buy and do what you want with the credit system that we have. So it's a huge asset to have really good credit and to optimize it, protect it, and take care of it. And again, at the end of the day, that's why people come to Conquer Credit Management. And listen, you know, Samantha and I really, really care about the quality of service that you receive when you come to us. We're really concerned about the outcome. And I'm going to tell you, we have a badass team that is really, really concerned with getting the right result. Now, that doesn't mean that we always can, but I can tell you that we get out there with our pitchforks and knives. (laughs) We try to research to the best of our ability anything we can to find a loophole to get you what it is that you need. But, you know, what we're talking about today is what a lot of clients have been struggling with, and that is building credit and applying for credit cards and getting approved. So all of these tips and secrets that we just talked about on this show are really important for you to grow and build your credit. And if you have more questions and you need more advice and more information, please continue to come to our show because I promise you, like I said, Samantha is going to be a staple. We're going to be doing this every single week and we're going to be bringing you amazing and really, really strong information that you need to know, to know enough to be dangerous in your credit and financial world. So I want to thank all of you for showing up to the show. And listen, if you have not subscribed to this station or this podcast, 
you better hit that subscribe button. You got to tell all your friends and family about the amazing tips that you're learning from this voice here, A to the N to the G. And thank you so much for being on today, Samantha. I so much value your input and value working with you. And uh, we're going to do this next week again. So until then, Angela and Samantha, we're out. <laughs>